0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at com. Welcome to the family. VTW Group, no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Section 29 of Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Life Insurance Companies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Life Insurance Companies An Authentic Record of Remarkable Cases by John B. Lewis and Charles C. BOMBAU Homicide, Part 6. The Goss Utterzook Tragedy, Part 5. John W. Langley. I am Baltimore agent for the Continental Life Insurance Company of New York. I knew Mr. Goss before he came to Baltimore. Knew him in Nashville, Tennessee goss met me one day on baltimore street and insisted upon going to see some portraits i went with him into a photographer's where i reluctantly consented to a sitting for a picture i sat in a chair while goss stood behind me and in that way our pictures were taken i am quite familiar with his personal appearance i remember him as a heavy-built muscular man dark curly hair and wore a moustache and beard I frequently noticed his teeth they were unusually fine regular and white it was a feature which exhibited itself in his ordinary conversation he had a large open mouth and when talking would disclose his teeth distinctly mr goss came into my office with a sample of what he termed a substitute for india rubber it was a square piece of ordinary india rubber he showed it to me and offered me a partnership interest in the business of its manufacture if i would put in a certain amount of money he asserted the sample to be his manufacture and said that he had shown it to new york rubbermen and they could not distinguish between it and genuine rubber i found that i could not see any difference he said to me that one of the constituent elements of its manufacture was sea water a r carter i have been agent for the continental life insurance company mr goss came into our office one day in the month of december eighteen seventy one and exhibited a sample of what he said was a substitute for india-rubber which he said he was manufacturing he handed it to me it was about three inches long and an inch and a half thick i said to him it looked and felt and smelled like india-rubber he said there was not a particle of india-rubber in it but was made from materials which he got out of Chesapeake Bay, I satisfied myself by pressing it with my hands and by its odor that it was a piece of genuine India-rubber, and told him so he would not allow me to cut it. Mary A. Parsons. I reside at number forty one North Calvert Street and was keeping the boarding-house in which Mr. A. C. Goss lived at the time of the fire. I distinctly recollect that evening mr a c goss was not at supper in my house that evening after tea i was in my parlor as usual and stayed there until after nine when i went to my dining-room mr goss was not in the parlor then when i returned to the parlor mr goss was in there mine is a small table it only seats twelve i always preside at the table the next morning we had a conversation about this catastrophe and in talking it over we noticed the fact that mr goss was not at supper that evening and wondered where he was my mind is clear on that fact cross-examined i saw mr goss between half-past nine and ten o'clock that evening i looked at the clock as i passed out and into the parlor i should not have thought of these facts but that the next morning my attention having been called to them We commented upon Mr. Goss not having been to supper the night before, and wondered where he was. Miss Mamie Parsons I am stepdaughter of preceding witness, was living with her the night she has spoken of. The first time I saw Mr. Goss that evening was at about half-past nine o'clock. I was sitting in the parlor when he entered. The morning of that day he had made an arrangement to spend the evening with me afterwards he left a written message for me saying that he had to meet his brother in consequence of which he would be unable to return until rather late in the evening and was sorry he had to break his engagement he was at dinner with us that day i was at supper with my mother that evening mr goss was not present when he came into the parlor at half past nine that evening i said to him you are back sooner than you expected he answered yes i am fixed in my recollection that this was on the night of the fire and of the supposed death of mr goss's brother cross-examination the note was written me the same day he made the engagement i did not receive it until about six o'clock after i had gone into the parlour it was lying on the mantel and some one in the parlour called my attention to it Mr. Goss left my mother's house the next evening, and ceased boarding there. Mrs. E. M. Dudley I reside at number 41 North Calvert Street in the house of Mrs. Parsons. I have resided there four years. I am principal in one of the primary schools in the city of Baltimore. My recollection goes back to the time when this affair took place, which is said to have resulted in the death of Mr. W. S. Goss, owing to circumstances i remember it the circumstances impressing it more deeply on my mind the next day after the fire being saturday and i being away from school i was in the parlor about half past nine o'clock in the morning i am not there on other days a note was brought in for mr goss saying that his brother had been burned in the fire the night before some one of us remarked at the time that mr goss was not at home to tea the night before i was myself at supper there the evening before i can say positively that mr goss was not there his place at the table was opposite to mine so that i could not help seeing whether he was there or not dr john thorne i am a veterinary surgeon and have a livery stable i was applied to immediately after dinner on the day of the fire by a man whom i did not know at the time who wanted to hire a horse and buggy for that evening to go to green mount cemetery i asked him his name he said his name was a c arden and that he lived at 314 north utah street Question: have you seen that person since Answer: he is before me now the witness identifies a c goss as the man he came about dusk and got the horse and buggy and remained out with it until twenty or thirty minutes after nine o'clock. I have no doubt whatever about the identity of the man. Cross examined. When he came back, he gave my man a pair of buckskin gloves. I saw Mr. Goss after that and said to him that my man had a pair of buckskin gloves, and I desired to know if he came by them regularly, if they had been given him, as he claimed they were. I had but that one horse out that night and i waited for it to return before i went to bed i looked at the clock when he came back to the stable james gilroy at the time of which dr thorne has just been speaking i was in his employ as groom i recollect the hire of the buggy i noticed the man at the time witness identified a c goss as the man who looked like him but could not say positively he drove out with the horse about seven o'clock and returned about nine o'clock he went down in the yard a piece and then came back and said to me here is a pair of gloves you may have them james s mcfarland i am an officer of the baltimore police between eleven and twelve o'clock on the night of the fire myself and officer hughes were standing at the corner of madison and utah streets when a man approached us asking if we wanted a report for the newspapers. He then related to us the incident of the fire, saying that his brother-in-law, W.S. Goss, had been experimenting in some patent gum invention when, through the explosion of an oil lamp or some chemicals he was using, the fire and death resulted. We went into a tobacconist's, where the store clerk wrote down the statement as related by Mr. Utterzook. THE NIGHT REPORTERS WERE IN THE HABIT OF VISITING THE POLICE STATION FOR NEWS ITEMS, AND THIS STATEMENT WAS GIVEN TO ONE OF THEM. OFFICER CHARLES E. HUGHES CORROBORATED THE STATEMENT OF OFFICER McFARLAND. JACOB Wright, THE TOBACCONIST'S CLERK, TESTIFIED TO WRITING DOWN THE STATEMENT FOR PUBLICATION AS Utterzook HAD RELATED IT TO HIM. JOHN C. SMITH I RESIDE WHERE THE FIRE OCCURRED when i reached the fire the house had fallen in i had been there about ten minutes when martin quinn directed my attention to something in the embers which looked like a skull it was near the chimney on the north side of the building a long pole or ice hook was obtained and i assisted in dragging the body from the fire i placed the body in a box and it was taken to mr Lownde's stable the next morning the first thing after i got up I walked over to the place of this occurrence. During the night it had been snowing, and I could see that nobody had been there that morning before me. I went there to find Mr. Goss's watch and jewelry, which I knew he carried on his person. I searched very closely right where the body had been pulled out the night before. I could tell by the remains of the chimney exactly where this place was. I found some bones, which I cared for, i used a piece of iron in raking and searching and examined the spot very carefully i searched particularly the spot where the breast of the body had lain there had been a four or five inch fall of snow during the night